you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast. Wonders why there aren't more good football movies. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Not an accurate money drop. I spend very little time uh, pondering NFL movies. Don't care that there aren't good ones. Don't need a football movie. I respect that you're clarifying Mm. your individual stance. I can't make sense of it. I mean, the most popular Name a good one. I know there are good ones out there, and I had this com- very conversation with Damashek on a show last month, but the fact that it's the most popular sport in America and that, you know, this we're, here's Hollywood that loves to make money and, and cash in on what people love, they can't find it. They can't find the, the common ground to make some good movies. So elusive. So well, here, here's, here's a great one. Undefeated which won Best Documentary at the Oscars and is one of my favorite football movies or any movies. What? Documentaries are one thing. I'm talking about a, a fiction. Here's another tale. one. Uh, Gleason. I saw this weekend. It's like unbelievably The fictional powerful. character Steve Gleason? No, I know. But it, to me, what's the difference? It's A movie is a movie, and it's a piece of art. It's document, and it's incredible. That, I wasn't planning to You talk cried about. while you watched that movie, didn't you? There were a few, there were a few parts in that movie where I wasn't crying. It was like a, it was it was like a it was like a a test to see if I could run out of tears. I'm kind of kidding somewhat, but uh, it was I, I don't even want to say too much about it because people should just see it and decide. I that. want to party with you on the weekends, Greg. <laughs> I heard that that movie pulls at the, the old heartstrings. Yeah, like I said, I almost don't even want to say too much about it because it's a very it's a heavy movie, but it's not it's not um it's not about the the crying or the emotional part of it is is secondary. It's more it's not really much of a movie about football. I really need to plug back in on football because when you sent that text, I thought it was a movie about Jackie Gleason. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Jackie Gleason. <laughs> that's for Wes. I'm wildly vulnerable now to any type of um, 
uh, pop culture that connects like the father and son dynamic. Well, that's and it's a movie about father and son. It's a movie about. Once I saw the trailer, I was I mean, like, talk this about is a too humble much. brag. What? I'm a dad now. I totally get dad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Give me I a do. break. Just keeping it real over here, Mark. Um, welcome to the Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, listen, there are millions of people who love the show. Well, okay, ten thousand people that love the show. <laughs> That's more than that. Way more. Okay, so hundreds of we thousands get a million downloads a month. Don't assume we are loved by hundreds of thousands of people. Okay, beholden to none of them. That might be too high. Well, not just the people. Maybe I mean, we why? are beholden to the people. They're the listeners. We we want to entertain them. It's the corpos that we're not beholden to. Yeah, why do you sponsor? need to go antagonistic with our audience a minute and a half into the show, Wes? That's the relationship we have, me and the audience. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Breaking news. What's going on with you and the audience? We're all right. That's just how we do. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to be all touchy-feely with everybody in your life. That's true. Or anyone. Wes, keeping, to some. keeping the world an arm's length away. Since 1974. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Out of my head, Dan. <laughs> uh, good show today. Fun show today. You know why, Greg? And I know you love this. There's a lot of football to talk about. That makes it exciting. Not just football that's going on on practice fields. Football that didn't happen at all on Sunday. Uh, if you catch my drift. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And uh, so we'll get into the disaster in Canton. And then we will talk about... Uh, what we learned, the, uh, maybe not what we learned, the winners and losers, right, Greg? Because you wrote a banger. We can Week talk two. about what we learned, too. It's all, it's all, it's all the same. out there. Yes, uh, the winners and losers slash what we learned from week two of training camp. And there's a lot of stuff to, ju- uh, to go through there, digest, uh, you know, eliminate the waste. And by the way, speaking of eliminate, I got an email. We all got an email from a shadowy league figure said no more um, the drop about, you know, Greggy does Dallas. They didn't like that. That is not allowed to be played on the show anymore. I don't remember that email. It was an email that landed on, on uh, Friday. Uh, you know, let's cut it out. That's mm. over. Can so, we play it one more time? I don't think we can even do that. I genuinely thought that was an absolutely uh, enjoyable, right. entertaining drop. Because I, I would think it's the, the, the feminine voice at the end that led to well, I would censorship imagine. here. Yeah. So if you want to just hear that part of it, we can. We could bleep out the woman. Okay, one more time. Last time. Did that do anything for you? It's not the same, is it? It's not the same. So that's... I'm disappointed. I take it as a shot at me. I've been looking for theme music my whole life. Finally found it. Now it's taken away. Yeah. Uh, you get a little jealous. Admit it when Get Your Dan Hansis plays. <laughs> this could have been your real chance to, for something to catch on. Greggy does Dallas. And I, feel now, like there, I feel like there's a lot of truth in Greg's jealousy of your song. <laughs> Wh- which song is that, by the way? <laughs> Must we? Get Your Dan Hansis. Turn it up, everybody. If anybody's out there that wants to get Greg some type of uh, theme music, it would have to be cleared by the rest of us. It would also have to be good. I mean, you take a lot of enjoyment out of that because it it fits you and it's good. You're right, Wes. Where is that artist's career right now? I can't even knock you for how much enjoyment you get out of it because I would be the same way. I play it probably (laughs) ten times a month on the show at least. 
Uh, How often in your bedroom at home do you play that just on loop? That's like some people have a sound machine where it's like waves crashing. Yeah. It's just that song. Sane people. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's do some news. We haven't lost a game yet here in LA (laughs) or thrown any interceptions. So California seems like a great place to be. So. (laughs) All right. That is from Hard Knocks. Case Keenum and his wife Kimberly moving into their new house. I love the wags when they're involved, the wives and girlfriends on Hard Knocks, which premieres, by the way, Tuesday night, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern on HBO, as has been the case on Around the NFL uh, for the past five or six years. Episode recaps written by yours truly will go up at, I don't know, several hours after the, the show airs, but that night of. So all the other bums that wake up in the morning, roll out of bed and get up there, Hard Knocks recaps, I already have mine up hours earlier. You're competing against like a string of hobos writing football articles, <laughs> according to you. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, speaking of hobos, well, that's not fair. But I don't know who runs the on-field um, work over in Canton at the uh, Hall of Fame Stadium. What is that, the Tom Benson Memorial Field? I have a feeling they're not jumping from train to train in the 1930s, <laughs> eating nail soup. Tom Benson's also still alive, so I feel like it wouldn't be called the Memorial. It, it's the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, not like, the Memorial. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no memorial attached to it. Okay, thank you. Uh, the official return of pro football will have to wait, Greg. The NFL canceled Sunday night's Hall of Fame game because of poor field conditions. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about these poor field conditions. And I could use, uh, Mark, you did a nice job highlighting a part of a Mike Silver gave a nice breakdown of what went wrong uh, at the field, why the field was unusable. So, Irish, can you give me a little music for this? According to several sources familiar with the field preparation, things went awry after the subsequent painting of logos in the middle of the field and in the end zones on Sunday. Improper paint may have been used, and when it did not seem to be drying quickly enough, someone apparently made the dubious decision to heat the field in an effort to dry it, thus melting the rubber pellets inside the field turf and creating a slick, sticky, uh, congealed effect. At one point, two and a half hours before the game, stadium workers applied a substance that appeared to be paint thinner in an effort to remedy the issue. However, according to a Packers source, one Green Bay employee noticed the label that warned of severe burns when exposed to skin. And that was not the answer. I mean, I feel bad for those people uh, that it was their job to have the field ready, but there is a comical nature to it, let's face it. I mean, we, Greg and I, we've been to the Hall of Fame game. We've been to Canton, and the one thing that I don't think is – says too, right? I've never been to Canton, oh, and I don't plan on ever going. Sorry. <laughs> well, all right, I, would, I, would, I, would, I don't know where you're coming from with that. No, I grow a keeping, response. Keeping Sorry. institutions at an arm's length since 1972. Okay, so, so. well, okay. Good for you, Wes. But I'm going to say, being there, that from a distance, it's not a good football game. I get that. It's, for most, unwatchable. But it matters a lot to that city. They put everything into it. And I just don't understand when you are attached to a $10, $11 billion company and the first game of the year is coming out, why have you not gone through five or six test runs of exactly how to do this. That's my only question. Maybe they did, and then everything went ceiling zero at the end here, but I don't understand the process. It seems very garbled. Yeah, it's strange. You know, it's strange they play on a high school field that's not owned or run by the Hall of Fame or the NFL. 
they had brought in the field. It was a former Saints turf, and next year it's going to be a completely different turf. So whatever lessons they learn can't really be applied forward. But it's an embarrassment. I mean, there's not there's not too much more to say. I, d- I, I did get a little tired quickly on Twitter. Everyone had a, a super hot take and trying to come up with lots of nuanced uh, things to do with like the Hall of Fame game being canceled. All right, it's canceled. You don't have to have a hot take on everything. It's it's an embarrassment. But obviously. I liked what you you were explaining downstairs that the people that were up on their soapboxes, you know, praying for the the roster guys on the end of the roster that wouldn't have a chance now to make the team. Right. That doesn't make sense, though. Right, that they weren't getting the extra chance. So this game doesn't mean a lot to the stars, but it means a lot to the guys at the end of the roster. Okay, that's true. Well, they still have four more preseason right. games in which those guys play the first and the last. These two teams basically got a free extra week of training camp, and I think in their hearts of hearts, uh, there's a plenty of people within both of those teams that appreciated that extra week of practice, and they didn't even have to play a game where they could possibly have been hurt. One right. secret victim in this, me. Wrote a eight-bullet-pointed preview of this game <laughs> that got tweeted out Ouch. as I was just about to sit down and watch this. Gets tweeted out, and then bang, presto, game canceled, post, worthless. Well, yeah, Mar- hurts. Mark immediately tweeted out, now it's the most useless post uh, in NFL.com history. What about uh, your Garoppolo film study? Well... That that was one. I I went through the archives <laughs> and started looking at some of the other Mark Sessler uh, examples that could have possibly been more useless. You had your uh, your Ben Hartsock tracker. You I think that. that was that large, largely went unread. Uh, you Max did, Turk. <laughs> you, you did six hundred words on Max Turk, the uh, Chargers' third round center signing. That could have been more useless. We'll find out. Uh, making <laughs> the useless. leap on Toby Gerhardt. Ah, uh, yes. That was a disaster. Do you have uh, Mike Pettin Believe Land? Oh, oh, no. That was like a long form, Dan. How about go go dig a hole and get in it? Wait, I, I, I've got a couple others. But, uh, but I found actually the two most useless ones. Um, one, this is from early 2012. Teenager. <laughs> oh, no. Teenager named Peyton Manning faces... <laughs> Faces identity issues. <laughs> can't, even, can't even say it. That would be like an end around post today. Am I wrong? Yeah, I like I mean, that. That's a great. Uh, that's a great headline. <laughs> How's he doing? I don't know. That was your. Uh, and there's another one. That, you know, this one stuck out. No Kardashian connection for Tebow. That's well. There was a period, and Dan will remember this in our newsroom, where I don't know what they what the direction was for us, but we were uh, chronicling. TMZ like relationships between football players. Yeah. Can and minstresses. Can we step back and add a modicum of perspective to this whole thing? Do it, Wes. I'm road tripping, and this guy at the restaurant tells me, Oh, yeah, did you hear they canceled the Hall of Fame game? I'm like, Oh, thank God I'm not working today because I'd have to act like it was a big deal. Mm. <laughs> it's not a big deal at all. They've been trying to cancel the preseason for years now. That's true. They're they try- did America a favor try- by canceling this game. Roger Goodell's trying to reduce the preseason. That, that is a fact. Um, all right, moving on. The other, the other, you know, the real, the centerpiece of the weekend in Canton was the induction of uh, more Hall of Fame players. The 54th NFL Hall of Fame class inducted Saturday night: Brett Favre, Kevin Green, Eddie DeBartolo Jr., Ken Stabler, Dick Stanfell, Orlando Pace, Tony Dungy, and Marvin Harrison. All unveiled. Uh, Brett Favre talking about his old man, what he meant to him. Irish. Deanna says to me on the plane, you know, your dad had said to me that he had hoped 
or could not wait for the day that you were inducted into the Hall of Fame so he could introduce you. And so a new goal had entered my mind then and there. And I said to myself, I will make it to the Hall of Fame. That I would make it to the Hall of Fame so I could acknowledge the fact of how important he was in my career and my life. See, Mark, that father and son stuff that I connects like that. with connects with me, connects with Brett Favre, it should connect with you as well. I didn't say that it didn't. <laughs> I just didn't need to put it up on a big platform for everyone to ponder. Well, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I didn't think I was really re- going out on a limb saying that I like spending time with my son. But you know, I think uh, Favre but what had to be the centerpiece here. But Wes, was there anybody in this class? Uh, this uh, Hall of Fame class, and I know you're not a big Hall of Fame guy, that you think um, richly deserved to be in there or shouldn't have been in, uh, inducted at all? Is there somebody that stood out to you as a historian of the game from this group? Well, I would say first that my first reaction to this class is is the far of reaction that having watched all of these guys except really Ken Stabler play and Dick Stanfield, Favre was by far the most memorable and contributed more to my football enjoyment Ten times more than anybody else on this list. He deserves to be the centerpiece. I guess Ken Stabler, to me, one thing reading over the years, I I recently read his biography, and it's just like a wake-up call to the difference in time period. He There's a, like a machismo there where he kind of denigrates women all throughout the 70s, and it just doesn't hold up well. But I think he, John Madden gave him one of the highest compliments in history. If you were to line up and play any sport – or any competition, any parlor game, Ken Stabler's your number one draft choice. Well, and Favre mm. during hit, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Any Favre, parlor game. Any sport, any competition, you want Ken, Ken so if you're playing, your number if you're one draft choice. in a wiffle ball tournament, two on two. I think you that's what John Madden would say. You pick, want Stabler. You want the, pick the snake. You want the snake. And Favre, that's awesome. Favre told a great story as part of his speech, which did go down as the longest speech in Pro Football Hall of Fame history. Wow. Ouch. Not not a shocker, um, and uh, and a lot of it was was great. He told a story uh, the first game he ever went to, uh, end of the season. Saints trying to clinch a playoff spot, which was rare in those days. And he saw this cool guy coming out with his hair flowing, uh, badass out of the locker room for the Raiders. And he said he he said that day I decided I want to be that guy. Hmm. And that guy was Ken Stabler. I, and if I could just make a, a point. And I, I think Please this do. goes all across sports, but the NFL too. Ken Stabler died last year, right? Mm-hmm. And this happens in entertainment and in sports. I feel like you put these guys into these Hall of Fames after they die. It's not like it's not like their achievements got any or any greater or less in that in that time when they were dead and alive. Why do we why do we wait till they're gone to honor them? Well, there's a sentimentality factor that I think contributed to Ken Stabler getting into the Hall of Fame. It's unfortunate because I think. Just about everyone that watched him play and what he meant to those Raiders teams and everything would would agree how much he was deserving of a hall of making it into the Hall of Fame. It's a damn shame it is that he didn't get to have that moment. Is it more of a shame than the fact that Ken Anderson was probably a better player and will never get into mm. the Hall of Fame? That's I mean you're never gonna satisfy um, everyone with with these picks. You know some people could argue for or against any of these players, but you you do realize watching it and and I saw it just. Just how much it means to all of them. My my secret winner of uh of the day was Marvin Harrison, who on a day where you could tell it's tough speaking, it it was basically a destination weekend for Packers fans. The Packers fans showed up for Favre as much as 
I've seen any fans. I wasn't there, but you know, show up for any player. Uh, and people were nervous making those speeches. Marvin Harrison was pretty cool and was pretty funny. He made jokes about you know he wasn't going to set a record for for making the shortest speech. Uh, he really credited some people in his past and was very natural. I, I felt like I got to know Marvin Harrison that, a little bit better. And, and Peyton Manning is just sitting there beaming the whole time. He was loving it. I don't imagine. I don't imagine everyone thinks Marvin Harrison's funny. <laughs> Not every person. There might be a couple people in Philadelphia. Um, one, one, sorry, yeah. one quick takeaway. Yes. yes, Mark. The Kevin Green bust. Yes. Best Hall of Fame bust ever. Flowing locks, right? I think they did a fan. He looks like he, yeah. man. I mean, he looks like an absolute hero cut out of a comic book. And he probably had the best speech, I would say, of the weekend, too. If you just, I mean, he he made the speech. Is like, that, that's three best speeches. Like he played. Point. No, I said Marvin Harrison was the <laughs> sneaky sneaky surprise, but but Green uh, Green was the best. And Harrison kept it tight still. Ten All minutes. Right. That's smart. Let's move on, guys. Let's try to keep it tight ourselves here. Robert Griffin the third is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Hugh Jackson in a press release released by the team. It's time. Robert has earned the right to be named the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, Mark. I think we've been talking about this in the last couple of shows. At the very least, uh, this adds an element of intrigue to the Brown season. Whether it's going to go good or bad, at le- having RG3 around at least is kind of exciting, at least until football starts. Your thoughts? I mean, I think we saw this coming from a mile away. I mean, we knew last week that he'd be the starter. It would have been a shocking if anything else happened. It adds interest because we haven't seen RG3 be a reliable starter in almost half a decade. So... It is. Are you uh, excited about this? I'm excited about some of the rest of the team, the younger players that they're gathering around RG3. He remains someone that I was genuinely annoyed by RG3 the last couple of years covering football. So it's a weird that he's on the team that I supposedly would root for if I weren't here all the time. So supposedly. what do you mean? Well, I'm supposedly. Sorry, I, 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 you're just detached from them. I, I'm so detached from the, from the Browns on some level, but it's not like I'm some fanboy over RG three. Cause he's on the Browns. Now I think it's the biggest question mark on their offense. You are, you are to me as attached. And I, and I think it's a, an, it, as a good thing to the Browns is just about any NFL fan. I know with their team. Yeah, I, I want to see them succeed, but I think there's a different type of fan where they you could sign like someone that you from a from a super rival and you suddenly start rooting for them. I don't feel that way about RG three. I want to just see if Hugh Jackson can make it work. It would be an interesting NFL story if he did. Had a big scrimmage too on uh, Friday night. Showed up and dropped uh, some long passes in there. Supposedly has looked pretty good last half week. The worry, of course, is when the pass rush shows up. You know, is he going to be the same guy? Uh, more bad news for the Buffalo Bills. Second-round linebacker Reggie Ragland went down during Friday's practice with a non-contact knee injury uh, while chasing down Reggie Bush. Uh, the team is said to be very concerned, or that's what Rex Ryan had to say, uh, about the injury. They don't know how bad it is uh, because of the swelling, uh, but there is a general idea that this could be potentially a season-ending injury or an injury that knocks him out for a large portion of his rookie season. And... Um, that is not good news for a Bills team that seems to be accumulating a lot of bad breaks, uh, Greg Rosenthal. Yeah, this is the problem when you name three starters uh, in your rookie class before they even hit the field. Two of them now aren't there, Shaq Lawson and Reggie Ragland. And it's not a good sign that the swelling is still so bad four days after uh, the fact 
that they can't even make a final determination. They signed two veteran linebackers right away, David Hawthorne and Brandon Spike, so that's a sign that they don't expect him to be back soon. And, I mean, th- he was going to have a huge role for that defense, and they are a thin defense, a top-heavy defense. He was basically supposed to be a younger, better version of Brandon Spikes, right? Yes. Yeah. And he was a Rex Ryan-type player. Rex Ryan, from the minute he was on the team, couldn't stop talking about him. My uh, my mom had a, a saying all through my childhood, if I said something that was too presumptive, she would say, don't spit in the sky. And that's all I could think about when I heard about this. <laughs> Back on May 10th, uh, I did it around the NFL Post, where Doug Welly was on TA, Total Access, and Lindsey Rhodes asked if the team had any day one stars, and this is alluding to the what Greg said earlier. And Doug Welly replied, at least three. Um, Shaq Lawson is going to walk in off the bus starting. Reggie Ragland and then Adolphus Washington, all three of those guys will start right off the bus. And we're excited for some guys. The from, bus. Who's from riding the a bus anywhere? six rounds that will contribute for <laughs> us. I mean, just – I just there's something I remember that struck me as a little bit of an odd thing to say. He was a little chesty, May, and uh, you know the football got sure enough strike him down with a couple bolts of lightning. Well, from another angle, they Rex Ryan was not shy about saying that the defense was super thin at the end of last season. That they I think they're starting because of their lack of depth in certain areas too. It's it's a problem. Of course, you want your early draft picks to play right away, but this is the type of thing bad organizations fall into. They went into this draft needing starters at those three positions, so they took their starters at those three positions. A good organization, like the Bengals, for instance, it's crazy to think of them that way in terms of their drafting. They don't necessarily need their first or second round picks to play right away. Well, this is part of what I was getting at a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the Bills, and I said they have as low low of a floor as any team in the AFC they could implode and I think some of the elements are in place for them to implode Rex feels it feels like Rex is in a very bad spot right now They're, they feel a little snake bit on Monday should have been one of the most positive days they've had all year they get Sammy Watkins back to practice they get Marcel Darius back to practice who by the way no one you know coming off a bad year uh, and coming off a foot injury. They get Kyle Williams back to practice, their defensive leader. Okay, everything's great. Now they have Cordy Glenn, their left tackle, has a high ankle sprain. Richie Incognito got hurt today at practice. Not sure how serious that is. I mean, they've just had – it feels like a lot of bad luck. With Glenn, they're, like, we're, they're just shelving him till the regular season. They're not even going to try to get him back in there. Let's talk some more injuries, guys. Jordan Matthews, he's out a couple of weeks for the Eagles. Uh, Doug Peterson announced Monday that the third-year receiver has knee soreness. Uh, The hope is that Matthews will be ready for the team's third preseason game against the Colts. No structural damage for Jordan Matthews, but still a thing to keep an eye on. Thomas Rawls of the Seahawks, meanwhile, has passed his physical, a big step for Rawls, who suffered a broken leg that ended what was turning into a major breakout season last year. Uh, he was placed on the pup just before the start of training camp as he quote, as he was finalizing his recovery from that ankle. Uh, so he's been saying he'll be ready uh, for the start of the season for months. This was a step toward the right direction. And finally, Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots, uh, the wide receiver who underwent minor corrective surgery on his foot back in May. He is off the pup and uh, was looking very good um, in some uh, workouts. Edelman, uh, a major piece of that offense, Greg. Absolutely. I mean, they haven't had many of their top receivers available during during much of camp, but I think they don't worry about it when they, uh, when you have Tom Brady. It, 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 
I, I'd be a little more worried if I'm the Eagles. Jordan Matthews is so important to that receiver group because they don't have any other receivers. Yeah, they have a sneaky bad wide receiver core. When guys like uh, Chris Givens is being talked about as a potential starter, give me a break. Right. Each day there's a different you know, report about who's likely to start on that team or who's likely to play. We, we have no idea. At this point, it's not even locked in that Nelson Aguilar is going to start. You got Josh Huff. You got Reuben Randall. It's, it's Doesn't not it a, just mean not nobody's standing out, basically, if you can't make heads or tails. Every beat writer's telling you about a different receiver that's taking over. We talked about all the time Mark wasted on all these articles he wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, hours. Well, that's nothing compared to all the fantasy football articles written about Seattle Seahawks rookie running backs this year. Going to waste. Thomas Rawls is the man, and game film tells us that if he's healthy. But Kristen Michael is way ahead of any of these rookies. Those are their top two running backs in Seattle, and I think they're going to be just fine. Over you, under. You love Kristen Michael. Yeah, I was going to. You're say, back well, in. Look, here's the deal. Talk about useless you posts. Can, How about the Kristen Michael's going to lead the Cowboys in rushing posts? You can give me all the crap you want about that. That's fair. But the light flipped on in week 17 and 18 last year. We saw it on the field. We heard their coaching staff talk about it. All offseason this year, they're calling him the leader in the running back's room. They call him money. I mean, he's been their guy. Looked good in week 17, by He the looked way. great in week 17. Looked good in the playoff game in week 18. Isn't too. it a good sign that he's still – he made it through the whole offseason, and he's still with them. They brought him back a second time. There's got to be some element of trust there. Absolutely. He's got to stay healthy. Rawls and, and all these guys, Tlaib, Akib Tlaib is another one that's big to watch. DeMarcus Ware, who's got a pretty serious back injury, is another guy to watch. When they get back on the field, they still have to get back into the mix. Uh, they'll be brought along slowly. You hope Rawls is, is the same player but I think it sounds like they have enough confidence in Michael that it wouldn't be surprising if he gets some run early in the year. Over-under game. At all. Wes, over-under game. Kristen Michael, 150 touches. I would say under because Thomas Rawls is that good. I mean, it all depends on Thomas Rawls' health. Very good. Moving on. Let's talk moms. Mom talk. What? Now, how does that not get a sponsor? That should. <laughs> Mom talk. Like what would be a good? That's how the the voiceover would be for that. <laughs> well, maybe we'd get a, a female eventually. But what's like a good mom product that we could maybe reach out, have Irish reach out to? Mom jeans, Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and John- mom jeans is not a real product. <laughs> Johnson and Johnson would be good. Um, what else? Uh, Castrol. <laughs> yeah, it feels feels like you're going down some territory here that would seem to be a little stereotypical. Well, Johnson & Johnson connects with it. Anyway, here we go. Joey Bosa's mom has something to say because her son, the first-round pick of the Chargers, uh, still is not on the team, and this is wild. I mean, he's still not playing. We have football, Greg, in a month. We're going to be playing exactly a month games today. that count, and Joey Bosa's still not with the Chargers in 2016 after a CBA seemed to wipe this out as a possibility. A Chargers blog, the SD Bolt Report, Solid name. Uncovered a Facebook post made by Bosa's mother, Cheryl, Cheryl Bosa, in which she said uh, the following in response to another comment bashing the Chargers and offering support to Bosa. Cheryl said, it bums me out for Joey so much. I wish we pulled an Eli Manning on draft day. And that, Wes, is a reference to when Eli did not want to play for the Chargers and basically forced that team's hand to trade him to the Giants, uh, a move that went down in history. Ooh, doggy, it's getting ugly in San Diego. Also, one of the, the number one reason why to this day I'm not an Eli Manning fan. Oh, we don't want to go down that road again. I'm just saying, that was not a bad operation 
he basically just pulled a he pulled a childish little tantrum. It was a team coming off one bad season. It wasn't like they were an awful organization. And I think, okay, so Joey Bosa's father played football. There's a savviness that you get from that, going through the process. It's like when you're applying for colleges and trying to get student loans and your parents have never been to school before. It's a different process for that kid than it is for parents who have been in college before. So there's a savviness that Joey Bosa gets, but there's also a sense of entitlement that you've gotten because your parents played, mm. your dad played ball, and, and Eli Manning had the same sense of entitlement. How savvy is this, though, that you're basically risking your entire rookie season going up in flames right now over uh, you know a, what seems like a minor contract matter? Well, one they knew the Chargers, you know, in recent history, do not bend on these issues. And so if you're going to go in and make this the focal point or the sticking point of a contract and getting Bosa into camp, you knew this conflict was coming, and it's about the organization bending. And I, it, it seems like a setup for a disaster. On the flip side, I'm sorry, this is someone's mom sticking up for their son, and this is maybe this is good investigative work, but you went on our Facebook page. If someone wants to go write news stories about what I say on my Facebook page, it's not going to go too well. Right. right. She was actually I mean, give me a break. She was responding. <laughs> it it does make me wonder about the threshold of what's news or not. She was responding oh. to their to a comment on their Facebook page. So she's off reading the SD Bolt Report dot com. SD Bolt Report. She just has a reply to a comment on that page and I guess why of course they're gonna report that, but on some level it's just it, okay, are all wives and kids Social media now fair game. No, it should not. It's an be. interesting question, but it might also be a window into their viewpoint. Absolutely. Plus, she responded to this website, to a Chargers website. So, on some level, she's jumping into that, knowing that 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 she's putting that out there to some Chargers. Well, it's clear. It's not like the two parties are happy. They just. It's like the two parties are clearly unhappy. Right. That's the, not a surprise. Well, the minor. W- this opinion in this room that's putting some blame on Bosa is the minority. I think. If you talk to, I, I think most people, whether they're within the league or whatever, the anger's towards the team. I mean, it's just, it's just, will you pay his money right now, or are you going to pay it deferred in March? You're paying the money anyways. It's all stupid, which is why I play equal blame on both. It's it, you just got to figure this out because it's not a big enough issue to to sideline this kid. That was Mom Talk, sponsored by Lady Foot Locker. Feel like I'm in the clear there. It's okay, right? Good job, Dan. That's still a place? No comment. <laughs> they still have Lady Foot Locker? I don't know. I feel like they got to be downside. I don't. I, I think put it all why. on. Is it, if anything, there's more There's more women than men in the world. Why would Lady Foot Locker be in danger? Well, I'm, I'm talking more about like the mall shoe retail business feels like it's been a shrinking market, but I could be wrong on that. You know, I disagree, Greg, because <laughs> if there's one uh, – article of clothing or of some type of outerwear that I want to try on, it's a pair of sneakers. And that's, that's why I go right. to Lady Foot Locker. If I was a woman, I would go there. They're all over the place, by the way. You guys can go to one uh, at the Westfield Culver City Mall. That's a nice mall. Greg doesn't do malls. Underrated. No. I oh, know. We go there. I all the time. Drop it off. Yeah. Just walking right by Lady Foot Locker, not knowing that it's existing, coming on the podcast and deciding that business doesn't operate anymore. That's what you're doing. I'm just saying, why not save the space? Put them all. What's the just, Vince Lombardi drop? I mean, here's the, here's a suggestion: put them all into one Foot Locker. Save some space. <laughs> why the separation? That's enough. <laughs>
finally, and I don't know how this got in the news, but veteran wide receiver Lance Moore has announced his retirement. The Atlanta Falcons on Monday announced that the veteran is retiring from the NFL after more than a decade of action, 33 years mm. old, played for three teams over 10 seasons, best known for some nice seasons in Nolens, which uh, really tees up Greg. Listen, he's not the boss anymore, but when he wants some, to talk about something on the podcast, we're going to tee him up and let him get juicy on Lance. I'm not Park. getting juicy. I mean, how dare you know you take it away, Greg? You, you act like that we wouldn't mention uh, the retirement of a guy who uh, caught the be- biggest and best two point conversion play in Super Bowl history. Oh, how uh, dare you? You know that's not respectful. Irish, that had I had nothing to do with that. Actually. I thought yeah, the right. NFL retired him three years ago. No, go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. No, that was oh. Oh, can I did some investigative work here, and I oh, found yeah. I found a tête-à-tête between Greg Rosenthal and Drew Brees from mm. 2013, I believe, and he Whoa. talks about Lance Moore. Tells Greg Rosenthal, Moore was always an unsung hero. Lance was just a quiet guy who just made plays and did what we asked him to do. I can think of so many big plays he had for us in his career. It's all rushing through my mind now. You enjoy coming to the work every day to be around guys like Lance. Imagine, like, if the Jets ever had playoff success and Jericho Cotchery made one of the best plays in Super Bowl history for their first Super Bowl. That's how you would think of him. I know. I'm just being a (laughs) Isn't that allowed? Yeah. Every show. (laughs) What is your problem, Sessler? I don't have a problem. (laughs) Dan was mad. He wants all the bits to be his bits. Listen, you could throw all your barbs at me. I could take it. I'm watching you, though, Sessler. It wasn't directed at you. I know, but you're, you keep on trying to hurt my feelings today. <laughs> I'm noticing it. You're trying to hurt me. Why? I have a smile on my face right now. Okay. Uh, let's move on. That's what's happening in the news. And uh, all right. Now, listen, just to show there's no hard feelings, Greg, even after you took that shot at me. <laughs> Wait, which <laughs> shot is that? Something about bits, some nonsense. <laughs> Greg wrote a banger. Training camp winners and losers, colon, Dante Fowler shines. That's the headline if you want to go look it up over on the dot com. So why don't we start right there at Jaguars camp? Oh, yes. If it's August, that means there must be opti- optimism ah. around the Jaguars. And this time it's Dante Fowler who missed all of his rookie year with a knee injury, but he is just shredding anyone in his way right now at training camp. Well, there wasn't a ton of optimism in Jaguars camp last year at this time, if only because they had so many things happen badly to them. And it seems the opposite this time around. Dante Fowler's been dominant uh, day after day to the point where the coaches had to tell them to for him to slow down because he might hurt someone else. If That's you, kind of a trope, by the way. Right. We hear that, that is. a lot. Yeah, That's but what if, I'm saying. He, yeah. he kind of checked a lot of the, the trope boxes saying uh, that he was unblockable, uh, that that he was embarrassing offensive linemen, like everything you can do in a training camp he's done. But we've also seen, you know, vines and other footage coming out of that camp, and there's evidence that he is playing well. To me, this this has to be, if you're a Jaguars fan, beyond your wildest dreams how well he's looked in his first week of training camp. Right, and you backed it up. I know it's only a scrimmage, but that's the biggest moment that they've had in camp. He was the dominant player in that scrimmage. And the thing I would like as a Jaguars fan, you needed a pass rusher Sheldon Day and Yannick, and I don't want to get the name wrong, Ngakwe, I believe, who are two rookie defensive linemen, not as well known as their first two picks, Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack, and they have been getting talked up as guys who are going to make an immediate impact and are going to play a lot for this team, maybe be more important to this team than than Miles Jack, for instance, is this year. What the sneaky other side to this is that 
it puts so much pressure on Gus Bradley to get a defense of players that have not played together before to mesh very quickly. It, with all the parts, if they don't have a successful season, he's gone. To, to me, they have such a recipe for their defense to be way, way better, and I think for the offense to take a natural step back. Everyone thinks you can just pencil in those so, sort of numbers that they put up on offense. I'm not sure that you can do that. Uh, they were behind. It should the, be better. They were behind in a lot of those games. Allen Robinson's getting talked about that he's taking another step this this year. Well, don't you expect Julius Thomas to have a better season? Yes, I, I do. I think Chris the, Ivory's there. I think the offensive line is a is definitely a big concern. That there's no Absolutely. reason to con, to believe that they're that much better on the offensive line. That's fair. There's your update on the Jaguars. You can't have a newcomer come in and <laughs> steal a show. That's true. <laughs> I love that lady. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we're not factoring that in. You know, let's hear it one more time and just. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. She's right. Oh, this uh, you got to see the look in her eyes when she says steal the show. <laughs> uh, also looking good. Uh, we talked a little bit about Terrence West last week on the podcast, uh, Greg, but uh, reportedly the most explosive offensive player in camp. Uh, Mark, your thoughts. Well, it's, I think we did, as we mentioned, it's one of two things. Either Terrence West, who you know, was an extremely productive college player, has his head on straight finally, and has you know, used the offseason to get his body in shape, which was not necessarily, these things were not the case in Cleveland, that's for sure, and not the case in Tennessee. So he's fulfilling these expectations. Or when you're calling him the most explosive player on your offense, it says something also about your offense. Or it's somewhere in the middle. I think if you look beyond the explosive player comment, we've been doing this long enough to kind of get a sense of when every offensive coach and the head coach and teammates and beat writers, every single person unanimously is saying, this is a different player. Right. And that's the case with Terrence West this year, that every person associated with the Ravens, basically all of his hard work this offseason is paying off right now. This, Mark, is a textbook you, for years, you're the guy that fears – guys leaving the Browns and becoming stars. This is kind of the worst-case scenario, right? If the guy leaves the Brown, underperforms, goes to the Ravens, and become that's a bad situation, correct? Yeah, it's. I think it's the narrative is very ugly because what it says, and it's, again, they change coaching staffs in Cleveland so often that it's not even about this coaching staff, but that other coaching staff had a lot of draft picks and young players that completely flatlined, bottomed out, and it, it went from physically not becoming a better player to becoming off-the-field stuff. So it tells you how chaotic that coaching staff and that front office was and how poor of a job they did teaching compared to the very consistent Ravens. They need players to step up, though. I mean, Perriman and Smith are still out with injury. Who knows when they'll be back. They had a million tight ends, and suddenly Pitta, Gilmore, and Max Williams are all hurt. Maybe they're not really serious injuries, but it just reminds you that that this team is not great on offense right now. One of one point about the Browns that Mark's mentioning, we've throughout history you can see this that bad organizations, you often they get made fun of for being poor drafters, for not coaching well, for not having good quarterbacks, not being able to to develop young talent is mm-hmm. is usually the number one sign of a bad organization. Yeah. Uh, moving on, you know this is a, this was an eyebrow raising quote 
um, Chris Wessling from Dolphins camp. Their offensive coordinator, Clyde Christensen, uh, does not want a running back by committee. We don't want to substitute, Christensen told reporters via the Miami Herald. We really need one guy to be a three-down back, stay in there for that drive. And that, that was odd to me because I would think of any team right now that I would be confident that they would probably be looking for some type of committee approach. It would be Miami, and yet that's what, not what the OC is saying. It is interesting. And Arian Foster has the three-down skill set. We know that. But does he have the three-down durability at this stage in his career? I, I don't know about that. And what do you do with the information that Jay Ajayi is number one on the depth chart right now? Well, I, these depth charts are weird. The PR staffs put From it From team together. to team, they don't mean the same thing. Yeah, and, and it's the first week. And it, it just seems like Foster's made a big impression. But the, the thing that stuck out to me from the Dolphins over the weekend is they had a team scrimmage, and they had eight offensive series and they gained one first down in those eight offensive series. Is that good? I mean, <laughs> that is something that's going to drive your coach crazy. And that's You're not only, surprised, are you? I'm not totally, and that's only not only one practice, but then if you if you read all the practice reports, he said the Miami defensive line has destroyed the Miami offense all camp. I don't know if that's good or bad. You could be excited about your defense or, or worried about Yeah, when offense. you're playing yourself, there's always a positive and negative to these things. Bad news for Jay Cutler, optimists. Their starting center, the Chicago Bears starting center, who I know this name, Ronis Grasso, uh, suffered a torn ACL. He's out for the season. Not a lot of line depth, especially up the middle uh, for the Bears, so you got to be careful with that, Greg. Kevin White also, the early reports, a little raw. Uh, Eddie Royal's been out of practice. Zach Miller's been out of practice. Alshon Jeffrey's been in out of practice. It's just a weird it's a weird team. They got plenty of time. All these injuries, you have plenty of time, but you have a downgraded offensive coordinator, and you really need White to be a difference maker. The number one question I've had about this team all offseason is the offensive line. Right. And they have bodies shuffling all over the place. Yep. So who, how's it going to shake out here? And they, a lot of people that are around that team were shocked that they got rid of Matt Slauson, and now they could really use someone there. The I feel like we center for the Chargers. That's right. We shouldn't even just do my winners and losers. I bet these guys got some winners and losers. Hey, guys, pipe in. You got it. Well, what's the lead here, Greg? Who did you put in your lead? Well, that's right. The Browns made the lead. You were excited. For the you first time ever, <laughs> ever, literally, since this column has been written by Greg, a Cleveland <laughs> player is featured that's in the winners not. column up top. That's probably not true. But it, and we don't need to belabor this, but Corey Coleman, who absolutely – ripped apart Cleveland secondary, and it is Cleveland secondary, so potential asterisks there, looks like what we just were saying Cleveland could not do. Could not develop young players, could not draft playmakers, and I think Corey Coleman is going to be a star. He's going to be a big one. Uh, speaking of first time ever, this might be the first time ever that I've been impressed by a Brown skill position player in 35 years of being famous. <laughs> 35 years? All right, Ozzie right, would you skip good. the 80s? <laughs> All right, Ozzie Newsom was good. What about uh, uh, Corey Coleman? Looks like the real deal. Yes, I'm does. excited to. What yeah, about Ruben Jones? No. <laughs> what about Josh Gordon? I hear you though. You Josh know what? Gordon did it's not been me. that long because honestly, Tony Grossi, who he's been with the team since I was like in sixth grade, is to, uh, people don't like this, but he's negative tilted towards Cleveland because they deserve it. And he used words. He would probably say he's just honest, and he's he's being honest. He's being team. honest, and he, and he's seen he sees stuff other people haven't seen. He was describing Corey Coleman with words that I've never heard him use for any player since the team has returned in '99, at least. You, if you're used in the same sentence with Steve Smith, you have my attention. Hmm. I I like everything about the Browns' offense except for their quarterback. 
that's the only problem here. Well, he was throwing the passes. I mean, I, uh, I hear I mean, you. I, don't I mean, put it, much into that. I hear you, but, but it's just it's he, it's he threw some bombs out there. I I was surprised that Terrell Pryor. I know we kind of joke about how he's this is not a real story, but at this point, he is probably he is a starter at a position he just picked up a year ago, which is crazy. I mean that he he is going to be in their top three rotation. Maybe that's not good for Cleveland. Maybe it'll fade fade how away. How many Browns receivers can you name? Uh, well, they have four rookies. You got Andrew so Hawkins. Got you got Rashard Higgins. Rashard You're right. Higgins. Not a lot of. Not a lot of uh, well, they have that, young players. They, they have a lot of rookies. Guys. Would Terrell Pryor make the Packers? No. No. So I mean, uh, yeah, a grain of salt. But, but he, but he had, he had a moment. If nothing else, he'll have a moment where he had a 75-yard touchdown back in Ohio Stadium with the Ohio Columbus fans, and he's doing the whole Ohio State thing. And who knows? Nice moment. It's more than you would. It's more than you would expect that he'd be out there week one, probably as a starter. It looks like now. I would not have expected that. I brought up the Packers because it was some ridiculous off-season podcast we did where I think we were like picking guys that would shock people or something. I said Jeff Janis would be. Um, a big contributor, and now there's whispers out there that he might not make the team. Is that a possibility? After all the all they did in that playoff game, uh, he was listed as a third team receiver on the team's initial depth chart behind Jared Aberderis. A day rarely goes by without uh, a report noting Janice's difficulty in camp. Says Greg Rosenthal in his write up. Uh, we I guess we've heard that he struggles in this aspect of the game, but. God, he made some plays. He made some season-saving plays. That doesn't get you a roster spot. Well, he also oh. he has four catches over the last two regular seasons. Two of the biggest ones in Packers history. I, mean, I get That's that like, happens in the playoffs, though. Yeah. It feels like we've gone from one extreme to the other on this. Right. Common sense tells me he's going to make the team because he's one of their core special teamers and very good at it. And he has too much potential to lose. So he's probably not going to be in the wide receiver rotation, but he's probably going to be the, on the team. And he'll have a chance at – one comment that did make sense was, you know, missing last night hurt him because he seems like, you know, a quote-unquote gamer. Like, he, he apparently he does not practice too well. Uh, well, someone was but, speculating that. They so he's like the Tim Tebow of wideouts? I don't know. But it's, it's a terrible way to put it. But a guy with a lot of athleticism that maybe isn't uh, as sharp uh, in terms of being on the same page with the quarterbacks and making it every all the right reads, like those like guys Kyle sometimes Pryor. do better in games than they do in a Absolutely. practice. Ty Montgomery hasn't been able to get back on the field for them. Either. That's been disappointing doesn't, because doesn't help them. They've been really high on him, but that was a microfracture ankle surgery. Mm. I mean, one thing with Janice that you hear popping up over and over is Rodgers has to walk over and correct him on this or that. And then is there trust? I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, it seems over and over that he favors the players on the field or the fav- players that he absolutely trust that last year that was the issue he couldn't trust his receivers to be in point x y or z and he's not able to do the with the ball what he could previous years if Janice can't develop that over the next month he's a special teamer how are you going to throw a back shoulder to a guy who doesn't know where he's supposed I'm, to be i mean that might be the thing that the best quarterbacks of the last 10 years have in common more than anything i mean look at the guys who tom brady loves are the people the, the advantage that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are, have are how they see the defenses. And if they can't find a receiver who sees it like them, then it's like they're useless. To well, them. Every NFL receiver has to run option option routes, and that's something we don't talk about a lot. But quarterback and receiver have to be reading the defense in the same way. Mm. And I don't think Jeff Janis is reading it the same way Aaron Rodgers is. And I got all your tweets, um, Patriots fans, that <laughs> Tom Brady was 27,000 for 27,000 in, in a scrimmage. Don't care. Because more like – Tomb Brady because he's getting old. Well, yeah, I would. You're sticking with. You think he's getting old? Yeah, of did course. Did you hear what Devin 39. McCourty said about him the other day? I didn't. What did he say? 
Called him Benjamin Button. Mm. But he's not. That's the thing. That's a, that's a fake thing. Benjamin Button is not real. When you get old, <laughs> you start to get crappier and crappier, and then you disappear. Mark my words. What's the date? So you can pull this clip. Mark my words. Irish. At some point, Tom Brady will decline. He will decline slightly this season. It's 8-8-2016. That's the date. If- Jeff Fisher Day. Yeah, I thought it was July 9th. I thought 9th. that was July 9th. Oh. Yeah, people were bringing that Well, it kind of goes either way. Yeah. This is Jason Garrett Day. <laughs> Fair enough. If you're a Broncos fan, how is it too early to – well, how concerned are you about the quarterbacks that Mark Sanchez is not – that this whole Trevor Simeon might start week one thing has gone from like, okay, that's just something coaches are saying, that's an off-season story, to, to I think this is a legitimate possibility, that this could be happening. If you're a Broncos fan, didn't you just watch the 2015 season and know that your quarterbacks mm, that's fair. were an issue already? All three Put a lot started. of pressure on that defense, though. They need to yeah. be just as good – if what if? Better. What if? Now you can laugh if you want. What, what if, if Gary Kubiak's right and Trevor Simeon is actually much better than his college stats would indicate? People well, laughed about Russell Wilson. People laugh at a lot of things. Pete Carroll started to throw his name into the mix a few years back, and look what happened there. Well, it, here's the thing: if if it's a tie, you ha- you just go with Trevor Simeon. I mean, if he's equal to Mark Sanchez, which is people are saying he's been equal or maybe a little bit better so far in camp. It's like you go with him because he's got a chance to improve. He's a he's been in the player. Yeah, he's been in the system for two years. Doesn't it tell you as much neck up as it does anything else that they're saying Simeon's just picking everything up quicker than Sanchez, which well, is that shocking? Well, Kubiak's quote over the, one quote over the weekend is, I'm really working with Mark on, you know, late in the down when things kind of collapse. That's And he's running around. That's kind of when his decision-making isn't so great. And, I, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, you think that's going to be tough to get rid of. Like, that's been his – that's the thing. Seven years in. He is the bugaboo. And he will if Mark Sanchez will never forgive himself if he does not take advantage of this opportunity. you got to win this job, Mark. It's the best team you'll ever play on. Aren't I mean, as an unbiased observer, I'm rooting for either Lynch or Simeon. I've already seen the Mark Sanchez show. It's fair. We're going to see Lynch for a big chunk of the season, if not well more than half, maybe even three quarters. Cut that as well. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for Monday's edition of the show. Mark, I'm sorry that I annoyed you so much. I don't quite get where you're coming from. I'm, I found you were delightful today. You did a good job hosting, very professional. Just a couple shots. I was noticing it. That's all. You notice? I don't Way in here. Why am I? What, what's going on here? It's between you and I, buddy. I, I think that Mark is a saint and leave him alone. Yeah, that's oh, why you yeah. go. That's why you go to the kissing cousin I did. for help there. I went where I needed to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You delivered. Yeah. Um, if you wanted someone to stir it up more. You would have gone to me. Yeah. <laughs> now we should have went enough. to the contrarian corner. I think West did a good job summing up reality right there versus skewed reality. I read on a blog over the weekend that Mark's analysis usually hits the nail on the head. What? In that case, Wes's did. What, Do you have anything else? Wait, to, what uh, blog is this? Any other fluffing that's necessary? The Jungle talk about. Blog, which wrote about our. Uh, Andy Dalton discussion. Huh. Well, they spent about 18 paragraphs lauding Wes, and then like one quote from me, they're like, Sessler hit the nail on the head. I said, it's the only line I remember from that article. Very accurate. The rest of it needed some editing. They quoted Greg's analysis in there, too. They did not quote any of Dan's analysis. I mean, is the fluffing done? <laughs> that was less Are your of- ego stroked enough <laughs> about this blog post some I'm thinking about uh, site? Oh, that was less of a uh, fluffing and more of a shot at you. It just went right, know, right, went right, right past I, you. You know, because I was talking. No, I didn't, it didn't go past me. But you know, once Mark went to West for you know support, I was we're gonna like, we're definitely gonna uh, get late night texts from Dan tonight here, talking about this part. Here of the comes show. the kissing cousins, 
at it again. I was so thrilled with that moment that I'm thinking about having one of Ely's friends write a song about it. <laughs> nah, it doesn't always work. <laughs> Got to be the right personality. All right, guys, let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap things up. Before it gets any uglier. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with another edition of the show. I will not be texting any of you tonight. You'll be out of my mind the second I walk out of this office. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show. Long season ahead. Unfortunately, no uh, – <laughs> No, no rap stars will be in the studio, but we'll, we, we will talk about all the NFL news uh, that's fit to print and then some. Has that been used by anyone? No, that's yours. All the news that's fit to print? It's all you. Okay, good. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling. <laughs> there you go. And the Irishman behind the glass, and this is Dan Hansis. Yeah, baby. Until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.